Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kia ora koutou, New Zealand. This is Caucus, uh, Thursday morning, 9.40, just gone. So by the time you might be listening to this, things might have changed because we're on the campaign trail 37 days out from Election Day 2020. I'm Tim Watkin. I'm Guy Espiner. I'm Lisa Owen. And I'm Scott Campbell. And we're all here together. And uh, Scotty was just joking, we were talking about rearranging his financial affairs, really. I've just been to the accountant, so I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things we're going to talk about today. In fact, let's kick off with that, because tax, tax, tax has been um, the discussion point for the past uh, day or so, since Labour finally got some policy rolling out, which is nice to see. It's a lot of policies this week we're going to be talking about. So let's start with um, what Grant Robertson said uh, Wednesday morning when he announced Labour's revenue policy. So today I am announcing that the next Labour government will introduce a new top tax rate of 39% for the 2% of people who earn more than $180,000. The new rate will only have to be paid on any income earned more than $180,000, so this will only affect the top 2% of earners. For 98% of people, there won't be any change. The new rate kicks in at the same income as Australia's top tax threshold of Australian $180,000, but Australians earning over this threshold pay a much higher rate, 47%, including their 2% Medicare levy. This policy is about everyone pitching in to do their bit to help our country rebuild, to protect the vital public services we all need, and to keep our debt under control as we continue our fight against this virus and drive our recovery. So what do you make of that, guys? 2% only. Did you get that? Did you hear that? 98% of you will not be affected. You started by saying tax, tax, tax. I think you mean... <laughs> Just a t policy rather than yeah. a full tax policy. Well, if tax is love, this is a peck on the cheek from your grandma. It's an elbow bump. I mean, it's an elbow bump in social, <laughs> in social distancing terms. I mean, look, I mean, Don Brash had a, a, a harsher tax policy than this in 2005. Um, what, $500 million a year you're going to get from it? OK, it's not nothing, but it's very, very small. And really, it just it ensures that Labor has signed up to the neoliberal consensus, basically. That they've, they've put the capital gains tax on the never. Um, yeah. They're going to gain very small amounts of revenue from this, and it's really just around the margins, isn't to, it? To frame it as anything to do with the virus or a COVID response is nonsense, isn't it? $500 million a year out of this new tax take is one week's worth of wage subsidy. One week worth of wage well, subsidy. And and that's assuming that they're actually going to get the five hundred million dollars, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and um, to say that everybody has to pitch in, but we're only targeting the top two percent of earners. Um, and generally, what happens at that sort of level? Obviously, if you're in an employee role, um, you're going to be taxed. But a lot of the people who are in that level of um, uh, of revenue and income will just go and restructure their their affairs so that they all of a sudden are now earning less than $180,000. But um, it is window dressing though, right? It's hardly transformational. 
And I think interestingly enough, I heard um, the minister during the press conference talk about the fact that it's the right policy for this time. And I guess what that tells you is that we're surviving the next three years and look out for 2024, uh, 23-24 and that sort of election term uh, and, and the next term of the next government. But it's window dressing. Mm. It's arguably spin. It goes further than that because let us count the ways. In terms of his sense in the dollar, he says it's a reasonable amount. As Scotty's point out, it's only 2% of the population. The problem we have here, and we know um, that the wealthiest people in the country are wealthy because of assets, yes. right? Not because of the um, wage check they get every week. So that those assets are going un checked. He talks about um, COVID, as you pointed out, Tim, but what COVID, it's not related to COVID specifically, only in so much that COVID gives them the social licence to slide it past the goalie in the sense. These are unprecedented times, one in 100 years shock. We need to circle the wagons. Let's go with something that is reasonable it's going to give us $550 million a year. It's going towards COVID debt. He specifically stated that in his press material. But relative to the size of that debt, it's nothing, and he accepts that. And I spoke to him last night, and he was talking about the fact that he kept emphasising it's right for right now, it's right for right now. So I said to him, what would you have done yeah. if it wasn't for this and he <laughs> to hypothetical Lisa exactly. And when I asked him if his policy would have been vastly different, he said not particularly. Yeah, and I don't. I that that's. But I was trying to think my, my way that? through this. The the right for this time argument. What does it actually mean for me? That thing, I don't buy that because we know that that from Labour Party tradition, from the tradition of Grant Robinson and Jacinda Ardern, these are people who want capital gains tax. That they believe in it. They have fought for it for years until they couldn't get it through politically, and so they've given up on it. They want. Um, they say openly that their one of their main policy goals is income inequality generally, and as you say, a lot of that's around um, wealth and assets these days. So. I what I don't so yeah, they want to do something more than this. I cannot believe they well, don't. They want, they want to win. So yes, they want so to the win right the for this time, so that, the right for this time the argument is short. Is partly is is yeah, I think you're right. Is that people are scared right now, right? Well, so right, people are right nervous right and people now. are anxious because of COVID, and they think that maybe if they go too far in tax, that general feeling of fear could turn on them. I think that's it, that's right what he's probably getting to. It, it's right for now that we're in an election campaign. Uh, and that anything more than this would have been political suicide. And I think from would a, it though? From a, well, yeah, because people people are scared and anxious. And all of a sudden, if we're in this position where I'm losing my job, and now all of a sudden I might have the potential of another tax, be it a small one, I think anyone would have got scared by that. The other side of the the equation, the Nats are saying, well, we won't do this and we won't do that. So all of a sudden they would have come back into the game. I just think it's. For, it's political, it's smart, because anything more, I think, would have hurt them. I think this gives them a little bit of that, well, we're having a crack at the people who earn the most money. It's not quite the Greens' envy tax, but it's still a tax. I think it is it is right for the right time, but I don't think it's what they wanted to do from a transformational point, I th- uh, point of view. I, I totally agree with that. It's It also allows 
them to draw a line under exactly what they will do. Where they were punished last election, if you remember going right back to uh, 2017, was they had all these maybes and there were all these um, potentials and it allowed their enemies to come and say, oh, well, they might tax land and wealth and inheritance and all sorts of things. Now they're saying, uh, a la the pledge card under Helen Clark, this is what we do and no more. And so it allows um, less room for their opponents to dream up all sorts of... But it is, it is very ideas. different from what... I mean, you go back to 2014, um, Cunliffe was talking about a 36% tax rate on an income over 150000 um, and putting up the, the trust. If you go back to Goff, he was talking about that tax-free zone, remember, under 5000 and the big tax switch, yep. a much more radical approach. Clark's... Clark was 39%, Clark and Cullen was 39% at, at, seven, uh, but 60, at, at 60, but at yeah. 60 grand. Yeah, well, this that, is way different. That's what I want to raise. So if you were deeply concerned with the fairness argument, which we must assume that a Labour Party would be, then should you be tinkering with the top or should you be moving the bottom of those income tax yep. um, brackets? Because Grant Robertson can't stop saying the tax rate in Australia, which is, um, what is it, 45 cents? Um, 47 in the 47 top. in yep. the top, right? He can't stop talking about that. But what he omits to mention is that you get 18K, 18,000 bucks in Australia for nicks. Yeah. For tax, so if it's about fairness, yeah, good point. he has identified only two percent of the population are the, in that one eighty plus. Problem with those, most are underneath. Yeah, yes. Problem with those policies is so does the multi-millionaire get the eighteen k tax free? Yeah. Yeah. and it's very, you, it goes it's right very through expensive. the system, doesn't it? So you lose effort, a lot of revenue yeah. for a limited you, gain on the bottom. You do, you do raise uh, lose a lot of revenue, but what you're doing with that top tax rate is you're pinging. 2% of the population, very small. You're not giving your core base any more. At the very least, you wonder, and this has been a subject of discussion for the National Party, when you look at the median wage or average wage, there are people who are knocking those higher tax levels mm. when their wages are not that high in terms, in terms of the cost well of living. Of no, I know, but it's, it's a question of if you're going to do that and raise the top tax bracket... There's there's some consideration that needs to be done uh, given to that the the core and even the lower levels of income yep. and the amount of tax that they are contributing relative to their income and I realise there is a cost to that in that you lose some cream from the wealthy people who also pay that so why not give a break at the bottom and fire up higher at the top if that is what your party is about fairness and redistribution. Well, it's interesting. Fun, fun OECD facts. I've got a couple of fun OECD, okay, good. OECD facts today. New Zealand is currently eighth lowest in the OECD out of, out of 36 countries with its top tax rate at 36%, uh, 33%. If we move to 39, we'll be 12th lowest still. So we're still in the bottom third, even with the, with the increase. So we, you know, inter- internationally, Scotty, we're still, quite, we're still quite low on the old top tax rate. But as Lisa says, we don't have some of these other outs. Yeah, but I, I, I honestly just think that it's a tax policy without being a tax policy, right? It's something that they've had to do because we all expected them to have a tax policy during an election campaign. The reality is they're facing this global pandemic that still has uncertainty around it. I don't want to sound like I'm um, talking from their um, uh, key messaging book, but uh, <laughs> I, I just think that 
that the um, it's taken some of the wind out of the sails from the National Party. It's allowed them to at least say that they've had a tax policy. It's given them, what, $2 billion over the next term to have some new money for spending. Uh, and it allows them to then go into the next part of the campaign and say, you've got clarity. Don't believe what Judith Collins is telling you. You've got clarity. We're yep. not going to do it. We'll wait for three years while money is still cheap. And we'll go and try and survive the next three years and we'll worry about it in the next term. So bottom line, it is politics disguised as policy. And, and bottom line, National has won the tax argument in New Zealand for this decade, basically, haven't they? Is that fair to say that Labor's basically opted out of the tax fight now? Yeah, and you, you're not going to see a capital gains tax for, what, at least a decade, yeah. if not more. Yeah. I mean, National wouldn't do it if they got back in. And Jacinda Ardern, who's looking pretty good for a, to lead a, a government for another term at least... Um, has said that um, not in her political in her career. Yeah. And just picking up on your words, leading, leading a government. So that's the other big question. If Labour is presented with a scenario where it is in with the Greens that have a much tougher tax um, policy, who's going to give here? So this is this is the this is what I'm really fascinated in. And you got into this with Grant Robertson last night on Checkpoint. Um, so Jeremy, let's have a listen to that. Are you saying this is absolutely a bottom line for tax or if, for example, you go in with the Greens and they want more and they dig their toes in, is this negotiable? This is the tax policy that we will be implementing as a Labour government. Whether you're in coalition or not? As I say, we're campaigning for ourselves. This is what an election is about. Other parties are fully entitled to campaign for I, I understand that. I, I really do understand that. But what I'm saying is it's it's one thing to promise people that this is Labour's policy, and it's another to say that regardless of what any partners in government want, you are going to stick with this. So I'll just ask it again to be absolutely sure. Is this your bottom line in terms of income tax policy if you need to form a coalition or a confidence and supply agreement? A Labor government will be implementing the policy that we announced today, Lisa. It's not a matter of bottom lines when, for us from this perspective. And I haven't actually heard um, the Green Party use that phrasing either. From our perspective, this is what we will implement, just what we announced today. Vital words, Labour government, and I see you with your uncommitted pencil there writing <laughs> yes, them down, I'm Tim. Right. Explain. Well, is, is, he just said a Labour government would do that, but would a Labour-led government not change its tax policy? Is um, a Labour government, if he gets 47, 48, 50% and cannot govern alone, he's put his, a line in the sand. But if it's a Labour-led government, has he, opened, has he kept the door open or has he not? I think it's an interesting argument. It was a great interview um, and he didn't, he didn't like having to um, be pinned down like that. But I don't personally think there's much realistic chance that they would deviate from it. A, I, the Greens have been very poor at negotiating um, big policy wins um, and I can't see the Greens... Um, sort of throwing their toys and, and not signing up to that. I, 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 I my own view I is know. my own view is if if Labor leads the government, that will be the tax policy. The Greens will get some add-ons um, around the margins, and the Greens will, will probably take what they can get because because they're, they're not going to be in a terribly strong position. I would I would I, I would I'd, bet all of my um, taxable salary and the tax I pay in my house and anything else on the fact that the Greens will will not take this as the final word. The, ta- the Greens will oh, go to the oh, table. Do we, are we the beneficiaries reckon, of that? You better ring Scotty's account. I, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon the, the Greens aren't just going to back away from this fight and, and say, oh, OK, Grant, if you say taxes off the table, taxes off the table. If they get 
their six or seven or eight percent at the election, they will go to that negotiating table and say, "Excuse me, Grant, we're talking tax today." Won't I'm guy? sure they will. Yeah. They, I'm, I'm sure they will, and they'll go hard at that table. And and depending on who else potentially is at that table, will decide whether or not they have an impact. I, I think. Um, that they'll ride out the next three years, and and if the Greens are still around, that they might get a crack at the next government, possibly, um, depending on where um, uh, Labour finishes on election night. Um, I, I can't see them um, really deviating from where they're at at the moment. They they know that they don't have a, a lot of room uh, to move when it comes to spending. They won't want to cut services. They also know that the top end of town are going to be the ones that will bring the economy back. Uh, when, when we do yeah. have a rebound at some point in time. Our essential workers and our people who are who are on the ground every day are doing a fantastic job, but we're going to need those businesses and those larger-scale economies to actually get us back in the game. And in a couple of years' time, when we do see a rebound, Labour won't want to have isolated that part of town. Right. Fair point. What about ACT? Did you see? Did you guys see yes. ACT this week with their debt destroyer? And I, I found it, and, and maybe this got missed, but there was a line in David Seymour's press release which talks about borrowing now and forgetting tomorrow is fiscal child abuse. Fiscal, not physical. Yeah. But I thought that was just amazing. Well, the, he's saying that the, you know, the kids are going to be paying this off for, for their whole entire lifetimes. Which they are. Um, but it, it, just the terminology-wise, I thought that's not very kind uh, of where we are at the moment. <laughs> I think Seymour's got some licence to go down that way, doesn't he, for his voters? Well, he called, um, he, he was throwing the fascist um, word yes. around. He seemed to think that a public holiday, extra public holiday was fascism, which it, <laughs> I suppose he's trying to get noticed, and I well, suppose he has done. Let's talk about extra public holidays, because that was another big policy this week. Labour say Matariki will be a, uh, a national holiday, um, presumably sometime in late June or July, but date to be confirmed, um, depending on the seasons in the year. Um, what do we reckon, guys? Is this written in the stars, or is it... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, straight out of the gate, it was populist policy, and, I mean, you've got to give them some points for that when you're on the campaign trail. And it was the first day of the campaign, yeah. wasn't it, where yeah. she rolls can we out just, this Can we prospect. just stop? I just, I, just, um, I, I just love the fact that um, how, how things change, because in 2020, describe... Uh, Matariki as a populist policy, making it a public holiday. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool. No, I, I just think it's interesting. I didn't want to inter- in, in, interrupt, but I just thought just to, just to just to press pause there. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? That that, that could be cons- and I don't disagree with you, but I just think it's worth reflecting very briefly. It's not being played are. as a divisive or a you know yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, just just it just wouldn't have happened in the in the in the o five or o no. eight elections. So, race so, based holiday, race based yeah. holidays, and, and it didn't. It didn't no. because it came up in 2009. Rahui Katania, then as the Māori Party, uh, one Māori Party MP, took this to Parliament uh, and National rubbished it. Mm. National didn't even allow it to get to the first reading. It was put as a, as a member's bill yeah. uh, and, and National didn't yeah. let it go through. So, and it was laughed out of town and, and um, so-called mainstream thinking what wouldn't even have known what it was. So we, you know, and, and we've got a mile to go, but it, but it is interesting that at least... You know, this is being greeted, and I agree with you. It's kind of like it's populist now, which is just—it's just, it's just yeah. worth reflecting on that. Mm. that works, Absolutely, you know. and it ticks boxes in terms of the unity message that Jacinda Ardern uh, speaks to oh, a lot of the, the time. This is, this is the treat at the end of the five million team, five million. Um, yeah. you know, having oh, done its well, bit, here's, here's your reward for good behaviour. That's, that's how I yeah. mean politically. That's how we would frame it. And also in my mind is um, the Christchurch mosque attacks. This is it ticks this. 
as proposed holiday ticks the unity box, the team box, and it also ticks the fatigue box because we've talked about this before. <laughs> yes. You know, people people are fatigued. Twenty twenty has been a tough year for a lot of people. In two more years, you'll get you'll get another holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's twenty two days. Hang in there, and then you can get it, a rest. It, it's it's deferred, um, you know, gratification. Tax like policy in that respect, <laughs> but, isn't it? But <laughs> so I thought it was politically astute move. And where does that leave the others? You position yourself as the Grinch, Being don't Grinches, you? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. And it yeah. does. I think ironic, ironically, though, it's actually probably been more controversial in the Maori world as opposed to the mainstream world. I've seen a lot of discontent in the Maori world about this policy. And people, yes, I think support of absolutely like Guy and, um, has said about about um, this being uh, you know a mainstream policy now, and and like Lisa was just touching on, but in the Maori world there actually has been a lot of um, people who have been knocking it and saying, well, actually it's fantastic to finally recognise it. Thank you very much. Um, but what about all of the other problems we have? Uh, and is this now our big policy for? For Māori, then you're going to give us an extra day off. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how, what have the what have the Labour Māori caucus got to offer up? I mean, what 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 have they done? I mean, is this is this is this it? And it is interesting, isn't it, to to put it alongside um, some of the other things. I mean, if you if you go back to to Helen Clark and and that um, Labour led government, I mean, they piled hundreds of millions into yeah. closing the gaps. Yeah, they got a lot of flack for it, but there was some real putia put up there. And what have we got here? We've got a... I mean, I, I, I'm not knocking Matariki as, as, as a holiday no. and, and acknowledging um, that the, and, and the Māori New Year. Great. But, um, but I, I, look, I talked to Scott about this yesterday, it could, and we were making the same point. It, there's an, there is an element where this feels a little bit beads and blankets, doesn't it? Is you, you give people something shiny and nice like a holiday, whereas your what Māori policy surely needs to be focused on is inequality stats. Material hardship hasn't changed in the past three years. Um, you know, and our Prime Minister yeah. as the Minister of, of Child Poverty Reduction yeah. has made very little progress. Very little progress. I, I went out and to that's Auckland, surely the Maori policy that matters, isn't in it? South Auckland this week um, for a story and was told that 67% of their inmates are, um, are Maori at that prison. Yeah. 67 it's, and this takes and, time, and, and, right? I well, get the three years is a, is a tough measure to change generational yeah, stuff. I'm not expecting but, them to turn all that around, but, no. but, but you know, I mean, they haven't made a lot of progress. They haven't. Have they? Or have they, Scott? Well, I, I, think, think? I think that uh, I think a lot of the Labour caucus, and, and particularly a couple of the ministers, will, will fire back and say, well, we've got a billion dollars in the last budget, uh, which is which is targeted towards Māori. Uh, and, and yes, that might be true. There has been extra spend in whānau order and te māngai pāho and other areas. Um, but I think it, it is, for me, they had the opportunity in May when this came up as the potential for a, for a holiday, uh, as, as, a, as an acknowledgement towards Matariki, but also the opportunity to give us that feel-good factor out the back of lockdown. Uh, and they didn't jump on it there. And so I just think, obviously, it's politics. It's good politics. It is something that's been latched on by a lot of people. Uh, but I do think it'll be interesting under the next term how much input that Māori caucus actually has at the cabinet table. Does Where's it, Penny Hinari? Mm, well, yeah. is, isn't he... Well, let's put it out there. Is he going to be the health minister? After the after the next election, if they're in government, he's expressed an interest in it, mm. um, you know, and they're on the verge of. Well, are they on the verge of the Heather Simpson report? You know, this um, the biggest health report in two decades, the supposed blueprint of which the government has not given us a clear commitment to which mm. elements it's going to introduce, including a Māori health authority that uh, the majority.
majority of those people on the panel felt was toothless and didn't go far enough. Potentially, you um, address that issue by a changing of the guard. Um, Chris, uh, Chris Hipkins takes it through to the election, yeah. and then if you're in there, you send a strong signal by putting someone in there who uh, is... Um, a Māori cabinet minister for a portfolio that could have significant impact on Māori given their poor health statistics and that being the... Possibly the... Key, you know, you're, you're the, the capital, the capital the of your years. people, and a lot of a lot of it will depend too, won't it, on whether Winston Peters and New Zealand First are there because they they have been they have always always pushed back on those so called race based policies, right? Yeah, and, they, yeah. and 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 you and you run up against that because yes. there's a real different so, different. So if you very saw, different approach if you to saw a Labour yeah. Labour Green government, if they were let's say able to govern, then you might see some freeing up of, of that kind of policy direction because because you get a lot of pushback from New Zealand first on those kinds of policies usually, don't you? Yeah, because what we're talking about, and this segues into the National Party, what we're talking about is targeting, right? Targeting of um, funds and resources. Mm. And interestingly, um, Judith Collins has resurrected the concept of social investment, which was a massive policy under Bill English, and I find it actually quite fascinating. But So that is, well, that's extreme. That's targeting in the extreme. So you look at the people who are... um, most poorly represented in various elements and you target your policies and your money towards that. And Are we talking about their drug policy specifically this yeah, week? Yeah, well, so this yeah. week, well, there's been a couple of policies. Yep. There has been the methamphetamine um, program, which is, in essence, if we look at it in broad brush strokes, is viewing that level of uh, drug consumption as a health problem, yes. you know, rather than uh, chuck them in jail and lock them up kind of scenario, or they still want to do that with the dealers, but they're talking about users who are not selling. And then also their, their policy for parents where they're going to give you a chunk of money Basically, that you can spend. It's almost like a voucher system, isn't it? Well, I was going to say it's not a chunk of money; it's a chunk of vouchers. Yeah, it's a chunk of vouchers with with um, top end six grand. If you are identified as being a high risk, you get more money. You get a navigator sat on your shoulder who will help you as a parent choose services, which may be parenting courses, you know, um, all sorts of. Uh, assistance, social assistance programs up to the value of Six grand if you're considered high risk, three if you're not. Those are interesting policies from from a national party and are under that umbrella of social investment, which Bill English, well, he championed. He he was the father yeah. of that, yeah, wasn't yeah, he? Absolutely. What do you make of those policies this week? There's, we've seen, yeah, the 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 meth guy and the um, uh, the baby bonus um, being talked about. What are you seeing that? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. It's a, it's a softening of of the Crusher Collins um, image, I guess, and um, you know some carrot and stick there, as Lisa says, on the on the on the meth policy, and the the baby bonus um, thing. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's I think it's good that National's taking its its policy development quite seriously. They seem to have put quite a lot of thought into that and to this um, National Infrastructure Bank. So they're not just going. Well, we're the underdogs. We're just going to fling crazy policy around and, and whipping up sort of uh, populist hysteria and going at the fringes, are they? No. Um, it's quite a it's quite a, a, a moderate approach, really. I, I think from Judith Collins. Yeah, some of those policies actually are fairly reminiscent of Fano Water, like the voucher system and the navigator on your shoulder. Actually, sounds like Fano Water. Hmm. Uh, Even the and, terminology, and, and, eh, Scotty? 
absolutely and so take a take a, a look at how softening they are becoming i think what it does show and i think what and shane Getty actually showed this and gone i know you're a fan of him a couple of weeks back and he's come to the fore with this health approach as well too on the five points that the government should be picking up i think the difference at the moment what we're seeing is that national are going to focus on delivery and i don't know if you've seen the new um, national party ads that have just come out recently but they have delivery in almost every second word it's about delivery and confidence uh, and i think where they're going to try and put themselves is we have done the thinking we have come up with some policy ideas we won't scare you going into the next campaign but we also know that it's going to be tough and going into the next term. And I think that's the difference between the two. Well, the the, the not scaring is interesting because this, this is what um, uh, Judith Collins said on Morning Report a couple of days ago. If houses are being used for dealing meth, absolutely. In fact, um, if they're being used for dealing meth, that is a total uh, breaking of the social contract than what people would expect. But if we're dealing with people who have an addiction and they are trying to deal with that addiction and they want to get help, I think we've got to be um, much kinder about that and understand that addictions are a very serious issue. Kinder Collins, not crusher Collins. And you could hear it. Am I going to use this word? <laughs> <laughs> we need to be a bit, a bit, a bit kinder. Yeah. The context and there was the, obviously the old National Party policy yeah, around of meth the, testing in state houses. Out, if, yeah. if there's yeah. point, point 0.1 millionth of a, of, a, of a gram sort of uh, on your wafting around yeah. in, the, in the ether somewhere, you were out of the state house. I mean, that was a debacle. But she also, yeah. she also said in that, that interview, we can't arrest a, arrest a way out of it. Now, yes. that's, that's a fascinating line for a, you know, because yeah, well, National one Party one, policy one, has one been arrested. That, that it was interesting, things. I think it was you, Tim, uh, so, said that, that um, it does show that, that National had won the economic argument over the last. And this shows that Labour has probably won the social argument. Yep, I think that's a um, fair point. Because the baby bonus is, is, is interesting, but it's certainly heavy state intervention. It does, I, I think there's some, some risk in that. I was looking at it last night, and the, you take, they're taking the universal element off the 60 bucks a week that everybody gets in cash and replacing with vouchers. If I'd which asked is, you 10, 10 years ago, like, who, whose policies are these? I'm going to set up a new bank. Exactly. I'm going to give a baby bonus. And I'm going to introduce more rehabilitation programs for for, for meth addicts. Exactly. You, you probably would have guessed Labour. So it's quite interesting. It is. A, it's, this it's is real. not a new Thatcher. This is not the party of Brash or or Richardson, is it? This is a very different... no. And we're in the middle of a deadly global pandemic, and yeah. so it, it, the times are different. So they are being quite imaginative, I think, in in yeah. setting their sort of policy compass. They're pinching ideas from the other team Which, and expanding yeah, yeah. on them. So, yeah. so the ba- That's what the, you do the, to win the centre. Yeah, the baby yeah. bonus was already in existence, obviously, from um, Labour. This is sort of an extension, and as Scotty says, borrowed stuff like it appears to be from Fano Order. On the meth programme, I would point out this idea that if you're just a user, you get... Um, sort of uh, diversion to a treatment programme. L- under Labour, there's already uh, Te Ara Oranga, which is does the same. The path to wellbeing, police mm. have the opportunity to exercise discretion. If they pick you up in a bus and you're not a dealer, you, you can go to a treatment programme and have intervention. So it already exists. And in their meth policy announcement, they also said they were going to set up a fund, right? Yep. So the proceeds of crime and it would be targeted towards hmm. meth and drug rehabilitation. 
uh, and there'd be a clear criteria for that. Well, we already have the Proceeds of Crime Fund, which is a contestable fund, and with a set criteria about what projects can get funding from that, and one of them is meth programs. Or we could use the billion dollars from the cannabis tax and put it to to, to meth. So so we could legalise one drug to fund the health of another. Well, it's interesting that you raise that, because on the one side, here they are announcing their meth... um, policy. And then on the other side, Judith Collins has already come out in a rather brash way and said, none of my MPs are going to be voting to legalise cannabis. We've no, agreed as a collective, we ain't doing it. But it's still, I think you're right, G, that it feels like, um, you know, Labor's kind of won the wellbeing argument and, and National's won the tax argument. But you've... Although I did find interesting, though, this week, the those numbers that we're trying to be uh, withheld, well, maybe withheld is maybe too strong a word, but the government weren't that forthcoming with the Ministry of Justice figures around how many shops would be um, established and, you know, selling cannabis and how many extra users and, and this supposed $1 billion that they might get through it, um, which I found quite interesting this week from uh, from government. What I do see is a national party that has the luxury of not being the government currently, so it has time to develop policy. Some of these are good. The, the great thing, I reckon, is we've got a contest of ideas at the moment, um, and whether or not we hear all of them from every party um, coming up soon, I think the good thing is that National is actually being able to show some policy. Mm, yeah, and one of them we've mentioned briefly, because we'll just have to touch on this very briefly, guys, is the, but is the Infrastructure Bank, which um, Judith Collins mentioned this week, which uh, she announced this way. I believe as we head into the biggest infrastructure spend our country has ever seen, that we need a long-term disciplined plan for financing and managing infrastructure. Today I'm announcing National's plan for a single National Infrastructure Bank. The National Infrastructure Bank would provide additional finance needed to fund our infrastructure rebuild. Local council and crown entity borrowing is often small in scale compared to other global products. The National Infrastructure Bank would package together loans from crown agencies and local government to provide a product more appealing to large-scale investors. Guy, you were really interested in this, one. Well, yeah, I like myself a, a good infrastructure bank um, or a sovereign wealth fund or something. Um, it's probably it's a fairly sober sort of announcement, isn't it? I don't think um, you're going to be sort of uh, marching in the streets over it. And I, I do wonder whether they are using this to sort of take the debt off the government accounts and so that it doesn't look quite as quite as bad for yep. them. Um, Which is and, what, to be fair, Labor's been doing with Housing New Zealand and Crown Infrastructure yeah, Partners yeah, and so right. forth. But, so but, but I, do, I do like the idea of a more independent Crown financial institution. I think we've had problems, we've talked about them before on this podcast, with the Provincial Growth Fund or the Green Investment School, some of those debacles you get. Look, no matter what your political stripes are, politicians like to get their mitts on programmes that are going to benefit their constituents. Yep, back into their communities. Yeah, and so I like the idea of something a bit more independent that can actually um, lend some expertise to this without sort of having the politicians as involved. And Scott, as our uh, provincial member here, you know, local councils are in all kinds of dire straits, aren't they, in terms of ageing populations and um, uh, lowering revenue streams and so forth. They're going to need to figure out ways to borrow for to just to keep the water flowing and the roads going, right? Yeah, spe- especially ours. Tauranga City Council's in all sorts of trouble. And that but it's all over the country, spend, man. It's all over the country, but a lot of them are 
behind in their yeah. infrastructure spend. And when we've got growth into the regions and we're pushing people out into the regions, they just can't keep up. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of it. I, I quite like the idea. Um, I know that a lot of iwi have always wanted to try and get closer to the likes of the super fund mm. uh, and to ACC and those ones. And some of them are already doing that. Your big ones, your Tainu, your Ngaitahu. Um, so I, I think it's a great, great idea. Let's, um, before we finish, talk about TV debates because this is always um, fascinating. And we've had a... Well, TV and Z's um, changed their mind. Um, it was going to be uh, their minor parties, their minor, well, no, rather, sorry, multi-party debate. We're not allowed to call the minor parties minor parties anymore. The multi-party debate um, was going to be New Zealand First, the Greens, and who am I missing? Act. 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 Um, and now, oh, all of a sudden the Maori Party and Advanced New Zealand are in the mix as well. Well, I think, first off, we need to consider their criteria, right? Yes. So it was, originally, was it not, you had to rate 3% yep. in a poll. Or you had to have a sitting yeah, member. Uh, member in in parliament, and this is where we can say well, I invented this. I was going to say, Guy and I were in this meeting <laughs> about, went, about ten years so you're ago. To blame. Yeah, well, no, this but, was. But, I, but, I remember it well. Twenty eleven back at TVNZ, we were like, yes. okay, how are we going to do this? I was political editor at the time. I thought, well, okay, we're going to have to have a criteria. It was three percent. Um, you had to hit three percent in one of two Colmar Brunton polls leading up to the election. Exactly. Uh, first one comes back, and and New Zealand First doesn't make it anything close. The second one comes back and it's at 2.9 uh, of course it was, and, um, I tell you that day that day in the newsroom the arguments that were going around do we include so New te- Zealand first technically in Peters was Swedish out. rounding we, 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 we thought look we give the guy a shot and, um, and, and put him in the debate he well, goes it was, into it the was debate inside, he was, cleans up the on rounding. the night completely um, gets back into parliament and he's never thanked me I'm still waiting for the phone call <laughs> <laughs> he was 2.9 in the headline rate and then but inside in the polling it was rounded to 3 and so he, he had earned his way in now right. by 3% yeah. the but the point, is, the point is that yeah. it's not 2011 anymore No, it and, and we don't have those parties sitting around the 3% margins the, the smaller parties are much smaller and for some reason TVNZ did not review it criteria and has now got stuck. Well, yeah. well, there's a couple of things there, interesting and inconsistencies. So uh, the Māori Party, uh, by that criteria, the 3% and a sitting member, they don't meet Nowhere that, near. right? Whereas um, Jamie Lee Ross does meet one. He is a current member of Parliament, yet yep. seemingly... He wasn't in the first was, list. But was voted in as a National Party. Correct. MP, yes. right? yeah. Correct. But, but as the rules stand, he has the right to, to, to break away and become an independent as an electorate yeah. MP. Yeah. I yeah. guess the Māori Party's argument, and you've got other um, you've got treaty principles, possibly, and other constitutional things at play there, obviously, too. But, I mean, they could make a similar argument to David Seymour. David Seymour's ACT Party wouldn't be anywhere near Parliament if it wasn't for the fact that he was as gifted... A, a seat by the National Party. It may be different this time, and he may win three, four, five, six percent. Who knows? But the Māori Party essentially saying, "Look, you don't poll the Māori seats. That's how we're looking to get in." That's um, right. We've and, got a and, decent shot and, of being and, in and Parliament. Actually, that's how David Seymour's in there. Because and, and let's, have a, have, let's, let's have a look to what John Tamahiri said. Was their main argument? They were wrong because um, this country was settled by consent, not by conquest, and we have a constitutional right as Māori people who represent our interests under a Māori flag and a Māori banner. We couldn't be penalised in 2020 New Zealand for that. So they were wrong constitutionally. They were wrong because we've had separate Māori representation in the parliament, even though it arrived late since 1867. 150 years it's taken, and in 2020 New Zealand, 
uh, we still get denied access to a basic right of freedom of speech and to have that speech broadcast on platforms. So they were wrong. Scott? Uh, yeah, I, I think policy on the hoof a little bit to, to um, let it come back. I do think I agree with him in the sense that um, the Māori Party and the Māori seats, sorry, let me say the Māori seats have an impact on the makeup of Parliament, or they have done before. And so I think that um, given that, that there is the there should be an expectation that the Māori Party or, or a Māori voice is a part of the debate. I accept that. What I don't like is this, we were banned and we were kept out, and it's that's just appealing to this audience that John Tomahead and the Māori Party are trying to get to at the moment, uh, which is which is the activist sort of voice. Um, I think that um, they should be there. I feel sorry for the guys at top, to be honest, and it's probably the first and last time that you ever hear me say it, but um, <laughs> no, they, they are actually, I, I yeah. believe they're actually contributing to the debate in the community, and I think if anybody deserves to be there, it's probably them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, you know, I think the solution now is you have a multi-party debate where you have the leaders of the parties who are in Parliament, and, um, you know, national label we usually don't want to be in that, so that's fine. And and then you have a contenders debate, which are the people outside Parliament yep. who are trying to get in. And maybe you set a criteria there and say the top five polling ones or whatever, whatever the criteria you make. But um, yeah, I mean, broadcasters have to get this stuff right. The criteria you know, has to be we, consistent. We, how many times has this happened? We've had court cases. We've had all sorts. Um, and I, I, so I, I do think that TVNZ has Colin Craig well. shoehorning mm. himself into. I remember that Friday <laughs> afternoon in court, Lisa. <laughs> but, 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 but Greens in New Zealand first will be the losers out of this because it's less air time for them. I mean, it was they were looking yep. at Act New Zealand First and Greens, and now they have to contend with um, Jamie Lee Ross, John Tomahedi, I mean, who are both, no matter what you think of these, those two, they're both pretty good debaters. Good debaters. They, they, you know, so, so oh, they will suck up some airtime there, and um, I think that'd be quite an interesting debate. Look, with respect to our friends at TVNZ, I think you're right. They've, they've stuffed this up royally. They, the, the other point is that meeting that, that where we talked about in 2011 and set these criteria, that was, I remember that being in March. The, and, and then we stuck to it, right? You cannot change your mind five weeks out from an election. I just think that's a really bad look. You have to have it. It's not, it would be a surprise to no one that the Maori Party were going to kick up stink being left out and make the very arguments they are. We're in a Black Lives Matter zeitgeist year. Of course there's going to be debate around this, and of course they should be in the TV debates. I think the constitutional arguments are a slightly ropey one. They're not being denied free speech. They have much, They you know, there will be it plenty is, of news coverage around the Maori yeah. Party, and we're talking about them now. So we're not, it they're not a, being denied. They don't have a, a right to yeah. be on a particular debate, but they should be It is a fair argument to make that if you are setting a, pro, a poll criteria, yet you fail to mm. poll uh, Māori electorate yes, seats. Yes. You, are, you only get what you measure right yes, if you're, you're not right. measuring that. But to, that but is to, a fair to argument. play devil's advocate to the argument around top and the others, and, and look, the new Conservatives are, are polling better than any, any of these other guys at the moment, so arguably they should be there before anybody, but there is a part of the argument is, is you've got to the, earn it, don't you? Do you actually have to but, earn but a the, place the, on the other, these debates? The other thing and is, we're not, not getting po- more than a percentage. But we're not polling properly either. I mean, this is the oh, thing. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's it also, shows, many it also shows that um, that our traditional broadcasters aren't aren't probably thinking a little bit wide enough, and maybe 2020 we've missed the boat a little bit. Um, you know, numbers show now that more people go to YouTube for for their news and to and for their broadcasts. Obviously, and and when the caucus gets there, they'll come and watch us as well. But um, uh, they should be having the contender debate on YouTube or something. Well, they can stream. 
They can stream simultaneously. But I do accept there are some issues just in terms of logistics. When you work in TV, and all of us have, you understand that if you corral all of these people into a space, you've got an hour, a commercial in an hour. So what are you getting, like 45 minutes on the hoof? I mean, depending on the numbers you've got there, you're talking three questions. That's why I'm saying separated out. That's why I'm I'm saying separated out. Have the the minor party leaders in parliament and then have have what I'm calling a contender. It's a good point. This is about the people who complain about this stuff never actually realise that time is finite. (laughs) When you produce this stuff, they say, oh, there just needs to be more people in there. And you go, okay, so that means your five and a half minutes that every every contender gets is only four minutes. That's what you're saying too. Like, um, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be only a commercial hour. You can can put it on YouTube, you can put it on on demand, you can do whatever with it. They're they're not, I I don't think they are being creative enough about it. Maybe our caucus can make up the next competition. Contended debate. Yeah, well, this <laughs> is this is basically a New Zealand on air applica- funding application. <laughs> Bring it on! All right, that's us for this week. I think we need to wrap it up. Um, thank you, guys. Um, Scotty, good on you, mate. Got it. Thanks for having me, Guy and Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. We can't wait to get your house when you lose that bet. Yeah. I'm, I'm, hey, Scotty, can you give me your name of your accountant, mate? I just need to. <laughs> I'll slip you a brown paper bag. (laughs) Again. Next Thursday, we'll be back with another uh, round of caucus. uh, And you can listen, obviously, to any of the series on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.